Are we ready to stand by Ben? Whoa, stand by Ben. I didn't even get for a second that you were singing that song. I was like, what song are you doing? I was just going to stand in the background clicking my fingers. I feel like that's an important part of that song. So that's obviously a problem with Allison's ears, not with my vocal cords, just as long as we're all clear on that. Was, I don't know. It was just some weird, like, kind of Elvis-sounding version of it or something. <gasps> I think it was an amazing Chris-sounding version of it. Thank you very right, much. Right. You were making it your own. You are correct. <laughs> you own It was my very song, own Chris. interpretation. How dare you? <laughs> Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is Georgina Riley, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 1995, theorizing that one could time travel within their own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. After years of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned until now. Dr. Ben Song risked everything when he used the Quantum Leap Accelerator to travel back in time. Now our team's working to find out why. As he leaps between bodies with no memory of who he is, he still has one hope. That his next leap takes him back to the place and people he calls home. Ben, come on! You know me? Stop it! You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 122, Stand by Ben. Okay, any blows to the head or, or pain internally? He doctor all of a sudden? No, yes. Oh, this Just is so make sure. stupid! Madison, thank God I was worried something had happened to you. Someone shut us out of the last leap. I don't know who it is. Janice Calavici. Well, she's a potential threat. I, I have to talk to this team. So, why did I leap here? Uh, well, it is July 10th, 1996. You are Benjamin Winters, a 16-year-old student of Sierra Youth Academy. Looks like in the original timeline, you and three other students got lost in a school hike and died of heat exposure. That doesn't make any sense. This does not feel like a school hiking trip, more like the great escape. Okay, I'll have Ann run a diagnostic on Ziggy, but until then, keep him out of the woods. Janice cut our connection to Ben? How's that possible? Well, she must have her own imaging chamber and a handling. The one she took from her mother's house. That doesn't make any sense. It says the whole office is under lockdown protocols if we're under attack. I didn't get the command. Janice still has access to our system, right? Ben, 
From what I can tell, the school tried to cover up what happened. They claimed that you all got lost on a hiking trip, but a few weeks later, the director, Adam Sullivan, put in an insurance claim for his car. Claimed it rolled over right here. What kind of person does that? I don't know, but you have to get these kids back on the road. In the original timeline, they went south, split up, and none of them made it. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this isn't some game, okay? We get lost, we will die. Don't exaggerate. I promise I am not exaggerating. If we do this, you're never gonna make it to Vegas. You won't make it to Alaska, and you're never gonna get to see your folks. We're gonna die. You've only been here a few weeks, so you probably won't get this. But I will gladly die before I ever go back to that school. Me too. Me three. Ben, you have to stop this. Make sure we don't get lost? Yes, but Ben, that's... If you do that, I'll keep them alive. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Allison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we will be discussing season one, episode eight, Stand By Ben, which is also the mid-season finale, huh? Hot mm. dang, we're here Hi, already. Right. How? What? Huh? That was quite a surprise. <laughs> we didn't know that was coming until last week's trailer that just suddenly said full finale. Okay. Yeah, I guess it like, is. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's like so eight episodes in. I don't know what the current TV environment is like, but I'm more used to that with, say, like a like a cable show. Right. Because they always have like a fall finale and then they come back in the winter. So, you know, we're recording this before the episode airs proper on NBC. So there might very well be something at the end of the show during the credits telling us when it's coming back. But as of now, we have no idea when it's coming back. So, yeah, I think our, I heard yeah. January, but I'm not sure where I heard that from. I think you heard it from Matt asking January. <laughs> Possibly. The only network stuff I watch are sitcoms, which tend to do like, yeah, maybe three or four weeks and then have a week off and then another few and then a week off, kind of like the original Quantum Leap. Or, yeah, like you say, cable shows that do the proper half season blocks. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not used to this. Although Supergirl, I was watching Supergirl when it was on and I think that did the kind of half season block. Yeah, I think it's pretty common for okay. network shows to have mid-season breaks. You can even tell if you like binge a lot of stuff, there tends to be this like feel like you're like, oh, this <laughs> happened after a mid-season break, didn't it? They yes. had a little bit of a break, a little bit of a refresh, maybe a little bit of a retool. Yes. All right. Well, suddenly the the first five minutes of the episode are all just a lot of exposition-y stuff. Say, oh, remember that thing that happened yesterday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we filmed three months ago. <laughs> Well, if we are going out with this episode for the time being, we're going out with a bang because we are also bringing you in this show an interview with Nan Rissa Lee. Nan yes. Rissa Lee, finally on the Quantum Leap <laughs> podcast. We got all five, baby. Yay. Awesome. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. For those of you who might live under a rock, Nan Rissa plays Jen. The head of security of Project Quantum Leap, she's on every episode. So go back and watch if you don't know who we're talking about. But um, Rissa spoke to us and she was just amazing. You guys want to stick around because we're going to be airing that interview after the break as usual. And I mean, uh, I feel such a connection because she sent us that lovely card that we told you about mm. last week. And uh, it's just uh, a delight, a delight to have every single main cast member of the new Quantum Leap appearing on our show. It's surreal. It's just absolutely... <laughs> you got that proper collector mentality going on there, Chris. 
<laughs> Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> did I turn them all into Pokemon? Yeah. Right. I don't even know. No. Is that? Did I use that right? Did I? Am yeah, I doing yeah, it right? I think so. <laughs> did you kid right? Yeah, I think you did. All right. All right. Go me. Go me. Yeah. Go Everyone Nan seems Rizzoli. awesome. Everyone seems awesome on this show. She seems great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, I'm just so proud of us for a- achieving this. I mean, eight shows, main cast in the first eight shows. And um, hey, let's just do a little bit of self self accolades here. We've been working our tails off and I hope it shows. I hope everybody is enjoying the podcast. Um, I know I'm having a great time with uh, the new series. Um, we have mixed feelings about it. I know that, but there's nothing else that I would rather be talking about with two of my best friends in the world than the resurgence of Quantum Leap. So thank you, Matt. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, oh, Albie, for um, right. for all of this. It's just been such a whirlwind and there's more to come, which I love, which I love. So <sighs> yeah, okay. is it great to be watching something in real time and be like, we got to wait for the mid-season break to be over. Ooh. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, I've not you know, done that about a show I care about for so long. 100%. A lot of the stuff that I watch, either British stuff, which runs for six weeks and then takes two years off, or, yeah, just runs for a few weeks and then takes a week off here and there. I'm looking at you, Goldbergs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that it's it's kind of a I have to like flex these muscles again because when I first started podcasting it was with 112263 and um it was a Hulu limited series that ran for 10 weeks but we got most of the episodes I think the whole series in advance before mm-hmm. we started the podcast so we were able to record once a week but we were weeks and weeks out we didn't have like the turnaround time that we have with this so it's it's like doing it all over again for the first time like I, I got so used to the luxury of talking about a show that had been off the air for 30 years and just luxuriating in, in reruns and like talking about the series as a whole, having to speculate about where this series might go now and not knowing the end game has been to me one of the most unique challenges of, of you know, talking about the new show in a way that is comparable to the way that we spoke about the old show. And um, keeping the DNA of the podcast alive in this new dynamic. So anyway, I don't know if that's interesting to anybody but me, but it's just a lot of the stuff that's been going through my head lately. Hmm. No, I get it. And that's also why uh, I'd suggested uh, maybe at the end of season one, rewatching all of it as a whole and going over it, you know, what we really thought of it, because it is difficult when you don't have the whole picture to really judge the entire thing, especially when it's something so serialized, because you could be like, well, I'm not very interested in what's going on here, but maybe there's a great payoff or maybe it doesn't really come to anything or maybe some of the things that we speculate never really came to be or maybe there were some turns that we didn't really see coming. So it's it's yeah. uh, it's nice to be able to look back at something as an entire picture uh, to really place it in your mind. It's also nice to not know what's going to happen, right? I mean, it, it's nice yeah. to speculate. It's yeah. nice to have a little bit of, mm, what's going on here? What's going on there? So it, it, it also has its, its perks as well. And um, again, one of the chief perks, being able to speak to the actors on the show in real time as we've been doing. So that's a great perk. And um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm just loving the entire experience. And uh, thank you all of you for listening and for sticking with us and for going on this new journey with us because I'm having so much fun. And uh, it's, it's kind of like we're wandering through the woods and wondering where our destination point will be. <laughs> hmm. Well done, Chris. Segway. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, stand by Ben. Let's get some first impressions. Um, Allison, do you want to start? Yeah, uh, I liked the leap portion of this, um, but I thought a lot of this episode kind of backslid into the worst aspects of New Quantum Leap for me, so I'm a little bit mixed. All right. How about you, Matt? I I loved the leap portions. I liked the project portions. I, there's a, a few issues here and there that uh, we'll get into, but... Yeah, generally, I thought this was a, a good episode and a, a nice one to go out on if we're going to have a break for a, a month or two. All right. I enjoyed the episode. I liked it a lot, especially the leap portion. You guys know that I'm a fan of the project stuff, especially when they get into some of the geeky time travel stuff. Some of the stuff that we've seen in the project has been some of my favorite on the show. That being said, I know how people who don't like the project stuff feel this week. Because it was all sound and fury signifying nothing. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> nothing yes. happened at the project of any consequence at all. It was just wheel spinning nonsense. I'm so oh. glad that you went on this rant because I'm like, I'm going to be crabby, jerky Allison again. <laughs> but look, let's be real here. This is their mid-season finale. We thought there was going to be this big lead up, all these plot developments Anything significant happened on Ben's end, uh, just coincidentally. That all the interesting things that were happening at the project, and I, I've been clear about my feelings on the project. They all happened off screen. <laughs> all we did was follow Magic and Jen in an elevator talking about Jen's just now introduced dad. Yeah, <laughs> that nobody did... cares about. I'm sorry. You, this is not an earned emotional moment. I feel like they always. They're like, let's throw in one emotional scene and they've plotted out that they're going to do one, like, let's sit down and talk about it scene, but they never do anything to actually earn the emotional resonance of the yeah. moment. And just introducing her dad to resolve it by the end of this just seemed utterly pointless. I was glad... I, I'm just going to counterpoint that ever so slightly because for, for the most part, I completely agree with you. I, I liked the fact that it gave us some kind of parallel emotional beats to what was going on in The Leap. There, there was some parent-kid stuff going on <laughs> that kind of linked up. Uh, sure. But yeah, it, it, it felt like when they got to this episode, they realised, oh, hey, we could do this. And introduced it then, and it would have been much better if there'd have been some build up. And uh, then, yeah, the the way they introduce it, um, Janice was being used as a MacGuffin. Oh, we 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 need to get Jen somewhere where she's going to reveal all this stuff. Let's stick her in an elevator. Well, could the elevator just break down? No, it's Janice. Janice mm. breaks the elevator. <laughs> yeah. it, well, you know yeah. the thing that frustrates me too about this is like they're they're clearly trying to push Jen's character and give you some more backstory and and give you a little more reason to care. She was a character very mm. early on. We criticize as being very underdeveloped. Um, and it, now it's kind of like the more I know about Jen every time, the less I, I care about it because it, it never really seems to come to anything. And this episode, 
had probably the biggest security breach uh, at the project and their security officer is written out of that portion of it to Mm -hmm. sit in an elevator and talk to Ernie Hudson, who also seems to not have a clearly defined role in this project. I'm Mm. never really certain what he's doing or why they seem to be the, the two agents that go out to... Uh, talk to suspects or whatever Um, but they could have had Jen working on the security but they had Ian doing it and that further emphasizes how redundant having both of these characters have these very similar jobs feels to me I don't think they've ever really justified this in my mind and um, all the security stuff again happens off screen Uh, Jen has no part of it so it makes me wonder even more like what the point of of jen's character is and i i feel bad about this because again and nan Lee is great uh she she's a great actress uh i think that she's a good person and she's been so nice to us i just jen is not coming together for me to be fair just on on one of those points uh, ian does not do that well uh, they're obviously put in charge because there is no one else available. Everyone else is either stuck in a lift or in the imaging chamber doing their hologram thing. So uh, Ian gets through the situation, but I don't think their success at that makes Jen redundant. It It is a, a wasted opportunity for Jen from the, the writer's point of view, but I don't think that means that... I, I don't know. I don't think that means, well, we can just have Ian doing all that stuff in future because they do kind of lose the plot but at they, that point. They could. <laughs> they could have Ian doing all this stuff. And then they would like cut down the amount of things happening at the project that don't need to be happening. Like, I don't know. I, I just feel like this was a wasted opportunity. And also like with Ian, Ian solved all of this stuff off screen again. Like, so it, was it that difficult? Was Ian in over their head? I don't know, because we didn't see any of that stuff. And I don't really know why Jen and Magic were stuck in the elevator when, uh, so they contact Ian and Ian's like, I'm kind of busy. I can't get you out. We see 10 million extras with no lines running around not one of them could do what addison does which is just go over there and lift out the top and that part to me frustrated me endlessly because addison spends this whole show going like ben ben we gotta get ben home i'm so stressed about this and then this episode happens and then there's so much going at the project wrong right now and she's like i'm gonna chill out (laughs) <laughs> I'm chilling out on this sleep. And then Ian's like, hey, you should help us. Out. Ah, sorry. I got to hang out on this sleep. And she's doing her dance party. And so- she's having a dance party. And she knows that this stuff's going on at the project, which is hindering their ability to investigate one of their few leads for the- everything they've been investigating. And she's like, yeah, I'll get to it in a minute. Let me do a dance party. And then smash cut to her getting Jen and Magic out of the elevator. It felt like these were two episodes from two different shows. And she's our one connective tissue. But mm-hmm. it still felt like her plots didn't even connect to each other. Like, it, it made no sense to me. Well, one thing that this episode did is explore leaping in a way that I think I, I, I tried to discuss earlier in, in the series instead of having, you know, leap plot project plot, maybe exploring things with similar themes. And I mean, we had the themes of children and families, mothers and daughters, mothers and children uh, or parents and children, however you want to put it, explored both on the leap. And then they explored that with Jen in the lift. 
My frustration is that I think that Ernie and Nanrissa are two of the best actors on the show. And every time they're on screen, I really enjoy watching them. I, mm -hmm. I like the characters. I like the interplay between the characters. I think Nanrissa has a screen presence that just makes me pay attention. I really do enjoy seeing them on screen and they have most of their scenes together. But it's just like then you, you have all of this star power and they're sitting in a red room for the entire episode when the project is collapsing around them. Shouldn't they be the ones on the front lines like, like yeah, fostering they them change? Out of that for, plot. For, it was so like, weird. It, it's just like what, you're wasting this amazing talent that you have on screen, this amazing chemistry that is evident between these two actors where they could solve some problems and get some stuff done. Kind of like when they went and they found Martinez. I really like those story beats with those characters. But instead, like you said, we, we hear about Jen's ne'er-do-well father. And I get it. it. It kind of parallels what Ben's hearing about on the leap and what the kids are going through. But I don't think it gels very well. Had they had them observing the leap like they usually do and some of the stuff bringing up some real like like troubling stuff in Jen's past and her reacting to it and then speaking to magic and it might have seemed a little bit more copacetic well okay this is why this is coming out now with this character um because of the memories that this leap is is evoking i that would have been much better but yeah. as it was we just had a quantum leap in lockdown apparently they have a lockdown protocol now um <laughs> i guess i guess leon styles taught him something right <laughs> How did get anything done with the blue and red lights? <laughs> it's like, it's just just shut that stuff off. <laughs> I'm like, this made me cringe. I was like, oh, Janice has hacked the pro. She's hacked into the project. <laughs> but I mean, how good is Ian at their job? If they know that Janice is in the system, she's like the ghost in the machine, right? And um, Ian has specifically said, I locked it down so that she can't do this specific thing anymore. But all of a sudden, Janice is able to override their security protocols. Now, they gave an, a, a good, like, a, they gave a plausible in-universe explanation, which we'll get to. But it still does nothing to bolster my confidence in the project staff and their their capabilities. Let me ask you something, Chris. Is that Ian's job or is that Jen's job to keep her out of the system? Because Jen is head of digital security. So what do you think that entails? I would say um, security of things digital. Like what? Like she's a bodyguard going out there? Like if you're digital security and they already talked about the f her hacking phones or whatever was her specialty. They said that in like episode two or three or something. Like they specifically said Ian can't do this. This is more her specialties. And she's a cyber hacker criminal who hacked Bitcoin accounts on the dark web. So clearly she is supposed to be specializing in digital stuff. Like she works on computers, which is what Ian does, which is why I feel like this is two characters too many. And we know, and I'm not I'm not defending this, I'm maybe more saying this is consistent. We know, like, going right back to the first episode, Jen says, look, I, I screwed up, fire me. And Magic's like, no, no, you're the best person we've got because I've, I've got something for you. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is just a consistent thing for Jen. She's, she does let these things happen. Uh, she's maybe not perfect to that she's job. She's done nothing to make them more secure. <laughs> she sucks at being a security person. 
Yeah, she's <laughs> she's gonna have to do something in the second half of the series to really prove her uh, her contribution to the project, not the character to the show. For me, I think that the character has proven her worth for the show, but. Yeah, uh, she she does need to prove why she's there because things keep happening. Yeah, I feel bad for Nan Rissoli, uh, truly, because um, she's been given some crap material to work with. I gotta be honest. Uh, like, I, starting from security of the party lines to down to every time there's a security issue, she's either written out of it or she's a complete failure at that. And she gets the, these hackney backstories about being uh, this cyber hacker on the dark web and all that and i just feel like this is just like it's bogus it's just completely bogus isn't it and i don't know why her character has a problem with her con artist dad if she is apparently a cyber criminal who went to prison for hacking things on the dark web like it's like oh that was a step too far for you was the con artist stuff like but <laughs> hacking on the dark web was fine like i don't know well, maybe I, she I, saw herself as some sort of robin hood on the dark web or i don't know <laughs> well, i can see i can see it being a different dynamic when it's your dad because it's someone who you're supposed to be able to trust and who you love who continuously lets you down i can see that whether you're a crook or not um just because you might be involved in illicit activities it doesn't mean that you don't have a circle of trust and when someone in your circle of trust breaks that trust it's going to affect you negatively i i didn't see that as a stretch okay i mean i see it I just think it was misplaced again in this episode. It could have it could have been brought forth with so much more resonance and yeah. so much more relation to what was going on on the mm. leap. So Yeah, there's just been a yeah. lot of things that I feel like if they tweaked it a little bit, it would feel like these two stories connect. But it just felt like it it didn't and it also felt like this was the wrong place to put this if you're gonna have this climactic lockdown at the project that's leading into this mid-season finale like supposedly it's supposed to be big things happening right but i don't feel like the project has really accomplished anything all of the stuff that's been significant has happened just by coincidence on the leaps they've just sort of occurred it's not really been anything that they've done or found out there's very little that they've done on the project that has affected the story at all. Like, if you cut out the project segments, the story really doesn't change very much. Not very much. There are certain elements. I mean, finding Martinez, I think, mm. is one of the highlights of what the project has done. It's, the project is there. I don't think there. that if you cut that out, it changes anything, though. But I think the project the is there. To, it's there to tee up future story elements is what it seems like to me, which is a yeah, thankless I mean, thing to have the project do because there's there's ways to do it where they can be so much more integrated and I think just used so much more effectively. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the majority of the show is the journey, not the destination. So all of these things leading up to any of these story elements should be interesting on their own. And I feel like there's a lot of sitting around talking at tables. There's <laughs> yep. a lot of, you know, yep. hanging at questioning the suspects in the, uh, the suburban neighborhood, uh, sitting at tables <laughs> there. We're uh, <laughs> stuck in an elevator. I mean, but I just don't. F- the most interesting project stuff that they've done was in the last episode. And I think it's noteworthy. It was written by someone who is not on the main staff and was not concerned with this mystery box overarching story element that's really not gone very many places and hasn't been incredibly interesting (laughs) um the fact that it was just about the leap 
was nice. And then they threw in some stuff about the story in there. They had the Janice stuff in there, as nonsensical as it was. Um, but that still felt better to me than what they were doing here, which was really a lot of nothing. Yeah, well, let, let's let's speaking of the leap, let's let's get on. Let's get on to the leap, because I mean, like we've got I feel like we're getting it out of our systems. <sighs> but I mean, there was really a lot to like in this episode as well. Before we go too far on our on our tirade about about back the project, I want to highlight some of those positive aspects, because I thought that this was one of the strongest leap stories that we've seen of the eight episodes. Mm. And um, I think that the guest cast was was really, really good. How'd you guys feel about the Lost in the Woods, Kids on the Run? Because I'll, I'll tell you this, I did not expect to like it. <laughs> I did not expect to like it. Let me let me tell you, okay, like, I, I know I asked you for your opinion, but I'm just going to give you some context for this. And right. it's just, I, I think of my lovely, lovely wife, who when we first were dating, we were listening to the radio and Bon Jovi's song, uh, Living on a Prayer, came on. And I'm not a Bon Jovi fan. And I found out that day that she wasn't a Bon Jovi fan because she said, oh, this song, uh, it's just, oh, youth group sucks and we're running away. And I was just, <laughs> ever since that, I have just, oh my God, perfect, perfect. And when I saw this, I was just like, oh God, youth group sucks and they're running away. All right, let's see where this takes us. And I was like, oh wait, this is actually really good. So I really expected to just shit all over this part of the episode. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I like uh, some survival stories. I, I did like that this was a leap with not huge implications. They've had so many that are just... I mean, the last one also was not like a huge story as well. So I think they're getting a little better at being a little more intimate with the stories. I think the fact that there were so many kids, sometimes this, the stories got a little rushed. But for the most part, they were trying to tell some more intimate stories uh, and and help you get to know the characters uh it created a different kind of dynamic because ben was a younger character this time uh, mm. i feel like the music choices uh helped to sell the time period but it still felt like that time period even when it wasn't even though they're in the woods yeah i enjoyed yeah, it. yeah I, I i went in with very little in the way of preconceptions i i was around about those kids age around about that time so yeah i mean ben leaps into a 16 year old in 96 which is yeah that's the, the exact same age as me so i i was kind of expecting a bit of a nostalgia fest and i got that so i was pleased with that and i loved the fact that it focused on some interesting characters uh you're right allison there, there were possibly too many of them and it, it did rush through the stories it, it would have been nice to allow some of them to breathe a little bit more but that aside it, it was good i'm not usually a fan of wilderness adventures but it was more about the kids and their plot lines which which sold it to me there were elements that i didn't quite i don't know if they didn't work for me or if maybe i'm just british and i don't understand america but the, i mean this whole concept of this evil school <laughs> that you can send kids away to uh, where where they might just get treated like shit, but the parents have no idea what's going on. That whole thing seemed completely fantastical, but I, whatever, because we move through that what? so fast that we're like, okay, it doesn't matter. We're on the run with some kids. Let's not worry too much about the backstory. Maybe you guys can tell me how realistic the backstory was. It, it seemed <laughs> crazy to me, but it, it didn't. It also didn't matter because there was so much about the leap plot that that did come together for me. Yeah, the school, um, there are places like that that exist. Uh, I, I'm, I keep forgetting what the name of, like a group home, would you call it that? 
I, yeah, they they what, they called the it a, it was like a private academy, um, but it was basically a school for troubled youth, you know. Yeah. So I don't like, know that it would be a group of them, but it's like on a compound, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I do think pl- places like that do exist, and there have been like reports about that. So wow. I, I just don't know about quite the extent of it or their their solution to it, but it is kind of a complex issue that is difficult to solve in a leap. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that you know no one seemed to to know about how bad the school was, but they had these like torture boxes out front. It's like, you're not hiding it from anyone. And that says to me, especially with uh, the backstory with Leah's character, she was the one who uh, is gay and her parents are very religious and sent her there basically because they thought she was broken because she was gay and she was also self-harming, stuff like that. It seemed like with that, part of that character in particular her parents didn't really care that they were that strict that was kind of the point mm. like you know mm-hmm. kind of convert her break her into it and it seems like that probably was the idea but if the minute last second they call her uncle in with the news reporters that breaks everything down it just felt like that was a super easy solution to this kind of thing like i i don't know kind of fell apart near that, the end there that was a very easy solution that frustrated me endlessly that they didn't just think of doing that the moment they got to the cabin. Oh, hey, but my, my nice uncle happens to work for the news, so let's just phone him straight away. But it takes Stacy to figure that out later on. <laughs> like, really? I think that that was actually good because it showed an evolution of them all being out for themselves, uh, basically a group of misfit strangers mm. that just have a common goal. Get the hell yeah. out of here. And I'm going my way. I'm going to Alaska. I'm going to Vegas. I have family. I know you don't care, but I have family. And where are you going to go, Klepto? Mm. So the fact that they started that way as strangers just trying to escape and then grew to know each other and care more about each other and actually listen to and respond to one another and come together as a group, I think that was sort of the point. So I think that's why they didn't do it right in the beginning, right when they got to the cabin, because they were still on their own separate trajectories until Leah sacrificed herself so that they could go on. And then they said, wait a minute, this this can't stand. And OK, what do we do now? The fact that Ben didn't bring it up or didn't cotton to it, I find a little bit more unbelievable than the fact that a group of kids would have taken that long to figure it out. So I liked that part of it. I'm totally with you. I, I, and this is why I kind of, even though I'm saying it frustrated me, I give it a pass because I liked the emotional journey that we were seeing. And I, I loved the characters and I loved the actors. And that was all good. It, it's not even just Ben, though. I don't understand why Leah didn't think of that. I mean, why, why was that not yeah. her, in her head originally as the, this place is so much worse. And I know my parents sent sent me here to punish me, to break me, uh, to fix me, whatever. But it's got to be so much worse that maybe my uncle might be interested in this. I felt there, there might have been a subtler way of getting to that, that end point with the kids coming together exactly the way that you said, Chris. They could have set something up, maybe like there's a drought in the area and that's why the the water's all dried up. I guess they had someone, they were siphoning some water off, but you know, they could have been like, there's a drought in the area and then they sprinkle that in 
through the episode like you know this was a big deal at the time and then oh there's some news reporters that are nearby reporting on this particular thing and then um addison brings this up like oh according to ziggy they're over there maybe mm. if we could get their attention yeah. then we can bring some attention to this and then maybe they would also be utilizing addison a little more because um yeah that's something that frustrated me about this is that addison once again is just <laughs> glued to Ben's side through the entire thing. And for the most part, she's just chilling out. And it was weird to me because so much stuff was happening at the project at the time that A, the the imaging chamber wasn't affected by any of this lockout, which seemed weird to me. Um, Maybe they just didn't want two episodes in a row where she's kicked out of there. And B, she's just, there's not really a reason for her to be there through a lot of it. Like when they're sitting around the campfire and like, and especially think, when they do the dance party, as much as I enjoyed them dancing to No Doubt, like, <laughs> that was fun. It just seemed in context when she was doing it and then decided to, oh, maybe I'll step out and then save Jen and Magic from the, the elevator. Yeah, seemed yeah. a little not mm. good to put that back to back. Well, well to, get, to get back to the point of why Leah didn't just think to call her uncle or to, I mean, what makes you think when someone is victimized... And they're told that they're wrong and that they're broken and that they're basically worthless. What makes you think they don't believe that? What makes you think that she didn't she didn't think that her her parents had her best interests at heart? And if she had a problem, it was her problem. I mean, mm-hmm. that shows you how profoundly damaged um, and just the mental anguish that the kids went through um, in the school. I liked the fact that. I think on on many, if not most other TV shows, the kids would have been so much more stereotyped. You would have had the bully. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, let's see the characters. So Roy would have been just like the alpha bully, right? Uh, or, you know, Ciara would have just been like the wide-eyed crazy girl. Uh, Leah would have just been like the wide-eyed crazy girl. Stacy just would have been like the tough as nails. I'm not going to be, be be vulnerable. But it Have was, you been watching The Breakfast Club it again? It wasn't that. <laughs> but that's but that's yeah. kind of what you're conditioned to expect, yeah, right? Don't you forget about me, Matthew Dale. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so much more nuanced than that. But you know, in quantum leap fashion, we did have two, you know, pretty heavy guards that were pretty two dimensional, mm. one dimensional. Yeah, they just had the two guys that worked at the school that are like, we gotta throw the children in the boxes. <laughs> It's I just want to bully children. Yeah, and that's the fact that they had that quick wrap up with them and the quick wrap up at the project at the same time kind of felt like they ran out of episodes. Mm. I'm not. I'm not sure about that. I, I don't see the wrap up as being out of out of the scope of a quantum leap episode. I think that yeah, it, that, that, there have been plenty of quick quick wrap ups on quantum leap. And um, this one felt natural to me. This one felt like a good evolution of of the storyline. I didn't mind the reporter uncle coming in. I'm just, you know, I I, I couldn't get over the box thing, to be honest with you. That was the hokiest <laughs> thing. And it reminded me both of um, Unchained or Unchained Melody. We'd never figured out what they actually call that episode. And um, like a B movie with Pam Greer. You know, yeah. like I felt I like I was know. watching I was like a 70s exploitation film. That DS9 where they put Cisco uh, in yeah. the box because the stupid wacko religious lady. I don't know. Maybe there's some basis in something. But I, I yeah, it seemed a little cartoonish at times. I, I thought maybe they could have just hit it a little more, like put the boxes in the back <laughs> at least and not right next to the road where all the cars are driving by. 
maybe they're like, oh, those are outhouses. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, they did have a lot of boxes. So how many more kids were at that school? I mm-hmm. wonder. But, yeah, I don't um, know. <laughs> a lot of bad kids. Yeah, a lot of bad kids. You know, one thing um, also that bugged me about this episode a little bit is when they're out in the woods and they see the wolf and then the wolf is going to attack them. Like, it's like, what year are we in that we're still doing storylines where, like, there's, like, vicious wolves out to kill people in the woods? <laughs> like, Oh, there, there are vicious animals out in the mountains in populated areas. Okay, well, the thing is with wolves, there's this stereotype that they're vicious and they're going to attack people. And the thing is, most wolf attacks are because they're either rabid or someone's provoking them. Like, wolves are generally going to avoid attacking people and it's it's kind of a problem that stereotype because um it hurts wolf populations because they you know i don't know i just felt like it just kind of it didn't really relate to a lot other than they wanted a scary scene with a wolf it's it's easier to get a trained uh, dog on set than it is a bobcat <laughs> because i yeah. think that it's more yeah. more likely they would have faced some kind of uh, cat predator in those hills that they would have had to overcome. Yeah. Uh, that that being said, I mean, I'm on Team Wolf. One of my favorite fictional characters of all time is a wolf. So, <laughs> wait, what's your favorite fictional character? One of, all of time? my favorite of fictional them. characters of all time, uh, Night Eyes in Robin Hobb's Assassin's Apprentice novels with Fitz, mm. and uh, he's got a pet wolf named oh, Night Eyes. Okay. And yeah, uh, great, great series of books. Fitz and the Fool. Um, if you guys like big fat fantasy out there, I recommend Robin Hobb all day long. She is terrific. But uh, tangent over. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, wolf is just shorthand for wilderness yeah, danger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, granted, like, I'm a big werewolf fan, but I do feel like that's at least like a fictional creature. <laughs> it was hearkening back to a certain Mr. Dean Stockwell and one of his magnum opuses. Oh, oh yeah. The werewolf <laughs> was it? of Washington. It was an Easter egg for us. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Uh, oh, um, was this the first time since the space episode they had the year on the screen? Yeah, I found that at the beginning it flashed 1996. Yeah, it it felt very similar to the point where it it kind of annoyed me that they've not just done that in every episode so far. It was like this 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 feels visually very reminiscent, and yet they've just done it for two episodes this season. It's, it was a weird decision because yeah, I didn't. I'm not sure. I, I saw the necessity kind of with the Atlantis one because it was saying, "Look, he's still leaping. This is what the premise of the show is going to be." <laughs> doing it now in episode eight seemed unnecessary unless they'd been doing it for the past uh, few weeks as well. So that 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 was peculiar uh, to me. Yeah, I wish they would consistently do it though because I feel like they they aren't really great at clarifying the date no, all the time. No, they're not. Um, I mean, yeah, from like the descriptions and generally if you've watched enough period stuff, you can probably place something. But it is nice to know the exact year and what when things are supposed to be. It was nice, of course, also that just as 1996 appears on the screen, they're playing one of the biggest songs from 1997. That was... I appreciated that. <laughs> I, don't, I know. I don't think that's actually meant to be on the car radio. Um, I think it's just just soundtrack music, but it's still for those of us that lived through that year. Bugged me slightly. That song is awesome. I love that song. <laughs> they picked. They picked a good soundtrack. Oh for yeah, this one, but I at think. least the other two songs were from '95. That that was '97. Yeah. And and they did the the needle drops in tandem with the score, which I think was pretty mm-hmm. decent. Which I think is what they should do. You know, like it shouldn't just depend on the needle drops to 
to tell you the decade that it's supposed to be. And I felt like even though they are in the woods uh, in kind of identical outfits through a lot of this, uh, it still felt enough like 1996 to me. Like I felt like some of the way they were the ways they were speaking, um, some of the hairstyles, even the the style of uniform for the school, mm-hmm. it felt like enough that uh, that period. Mm. I wonder though if they put the date up top on leaps like this because there's not enough visual cues, especially if everybody's wearing that same uniform. I guess the make and model of the car could be they did an eventually indicator. Change. Yeah, and I, I guess and. Yeah, and she was wearing a Hall t-shirt, so we know that uh, yeah. she liked Courtney Love. But um, I just feel like the 1996 was to help establish the setting right away. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, they did that uh, in the old show. The old show had the title and the the date. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, up, they, so. that was consistent because they would put the title and the date on screen with every yeah. episode, right? And in this one, I know Matt as it must be driving you bonkers, Matt. I've seen some people complaining that they haven't put the date up, so it might be that they're like, maybe we should keep doing yeah. this. Th- those really of us sure. trying to put together a comprehensive timeline of the entire Quantum Leap universe are slightly irritated whenever they don't mention the date. <laughs> <laughs> Just think of this as Midsummer 1996 with songs from 1997. Yeah, yeah, but it's... Um, That'll clear it all up for your readers, right? It's, it's <laughs> imminently before Wannabe gets released in the US, which was January 97, so... I think kind of late 96. Now, is it true, Matthew Dale, that you are a huge Spice Girls fan? I, I wouldn't go so far <laughs> as to say huge. I mean, my my first crush was a life-size cardboard cut out of Sporty Spice. It's true. But, <laughs> and I don't mean actually, no, no, I, I, I chose my words carefully there. My first crush was the cardboard cutout, not, not Sporty herself. <laughs> I think you crushed that cardboard cutout. <laughs> Badum bing Rim shot. Um... When I hear No Doubt, I just think of songs that were ubiquitous on the radio that I didn't like. So I've oh, never man, been I a was huge totally into No them Doubt back fan. Then. I was listening to Just a Girl and Don't Speak. It was pretty yeah. good. <laughs> Does this give you all the feels? Yeah, I was into it. And I do, I do like Spice Girls. I was into Spice Girls as a kid. What? I, I liked Baby Spice. That was my why the em- Why the embarrassed <laughs> laughter? I was into Spice Girls when I was a kid. I'll tell you right now, I've got a pre-order in for the deluxe box set of the 25th anniversary edition of Spice World. And I am proud of that. Oh, man. Oh, so you're not that big of a Spice Girls <laughs> fan, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you say so. Yeah, you, you just have cardboard cutouts. You with your Bobby you know, Darren stuff, whatever. <laughs> Who even is he? Yeah, he's talking about his old man music. We're hip with the Spice Girls. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I can never live up to the cool, the level of cool that is on the other end of, of this microphone. <laughs> Jesus, man, oh man, oh man. You guys remind me every time with your blur and your no doubts and your Gwen Stefani's. But it is, it is nice that we can, with new Quantum Leap, get the nostalgia <laughs> from the eras that they couldn't do. Yeah. Uh, in the original show, because this is beyond when that show was on. So this is doing what the old show was doing for people who were nostalgic for things in the 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. 70s, etc. With the passage of time, you know, they couldn't really do the 90s very much because they were barely into the 90s. So we've know? become the boomers going, oh, it's Choppy Checker. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> what a simpler time it was, 1996. <laughs> Back in the good old uh, days. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just waiting for some Van Halen to come on my Quantum Leap. And they could have done that in the original series, too, but they didn't. So if you're out there listening, whoever picks the music for Quantum Leap, a little bit of Eddie would be nice. <laughs> just saying. It doesn't all have to be angst and no doubt and uh, emo 90s crap. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Did you not hear? Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I know that song like you said last week from commercials. <laughs> Beer I didn't commercials. even know that was a real song. I thought it was like the Oh Yeah Ferris Bueller song. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, you know, what, I, what I was wondering about, I guess this doesn't really have to mean anything, but it was it was weird to me that they named, that the character that Ben leaps into is also named Ben. And they have a quick bit at, at the beginning when yeah. uh, the, the other kids are running and they're like, come on, Ben. And he's like, oh, you know me? And oh, he, then he realizes it's the name of the guy he leaped into. It doesn't really go anywhere with that. I don't know where else they would go with it, but it kind of seemed like whenever like Sam would leap into someone named Sam, it was kind of like, oh, it's a joke because it's Samantha or in shock theater. I think it was just for the purposes of calling him Sam because he's everyone else <laughs> at that point. I don't know. Maybe it didn't mean anything. Maybe they're like, I don't yeah, know, and I think in in shock theater as well. If he'd have referred to himself as Sam at any point, it would have confused the plot line further. So yeah, that that kind of it was. Yeah, a, I think it was to simplify yeah, it exactly. Yeah, save Sam. Come on. Yeah, save yes. Sam. Yeah, stuff like that. I think that yeah. that's why that's in there. So there there are kind of reasons for it. I guess not everything has to have a reason, but it feels like you know if you're gonna have a character named Ben and he is Ben, why yeah. not stand by Ben? Yeah, they yeah. they had way too much of him just talking to Addison in front of everyone. And I know they're like, oh, it's his imaginary friend. But it's super weird at the end when they're doing the wrap up and they're like, let's wait a minute and let him talk to his imaginary friend for a while. Yeah. None of us are going to have our own conversations. We're just going to sit here smiling awkwardly while an invisible <laughs> conversation happens. <laughs> Well, I mean, is that any worse than the traditional TV wreck where everybody should have been just like sacks of broken jelly after rolling down a friggin' crevasse? What was that? And about? then they just they just they get up and fun. walk away. I mean, and then Ben's like, "Does anyone have any head injuries?" Two people are walking around clearly with head injuries, but he does not follow up on this. And apparently, they're all perfectly fine. It's TV. Those TV wrecks for you—they're just a plot device. They're just a means it to it. It could end. have started out with them in worse shape, though. After that, but they're like, we can't go back. I know that like the the elements were against them, and then like Leah breaks her ankle in a snake hole. You know, they have that in there, but it just feels like you start out with this really violent car wreck, but they're pretty much okay. They got like some scrapes, but they're like yeah. not even sore or anything. They could have written the car out a lot more gently. I will say though, I I thought it was a really cool sequence i mean yeah it, it was unnecessary yeah. i i was amazed how it looked <laughs> at the time and then yeah they all hobble out okay all right but it it made for a nice visual from a, a realism point of view yeah it could have just blown a couple of tires and achieved exactly the same point yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, I I thought it was cool that they were doing something that would be more expensive or difficult to do on the original yeah. show, so you wouldn't really see a, a car wreck that violent. I think some of their more violent car chases was like the one where it was reused in <laughs> Piano Man from like another movie. I was going to say, did, it, only if know? Belisario had recently shot another film where a car rolled down the side of a cliff, then then that's fine. Let's build an episode yeah. around that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So like it was it was much more violent and impactful than something they probably would have done yeah. back then. But it didn't have the payoff for yes. it. Like if you're gonna do it, you gotta have the payoff. Yeah. Have one of the kids die. Mm. Yeah. They should have started out with five kids. Youth group really does suck. We shouldn't have run away though. <laughs> but uh, it, it was no no more or less realistic than the magic cabin in the woods. I mean, that cabin was like glamping level what? cabin. That cabin was insane. Like I was expecting them to find like a shack to find like yeah. a little hut. And it's They're, stocked with food. Who's stocking the food in this cabin? Where does this food come from? And how are bears not all over that it's, if there's uh, food it's in Professor that? Lonegro's cabin? cabin. Okay. I, was, I was so waiting for <laughs> Professor Lonegro to show up. Um, I couldn't remember the geography of this episode. I, I couldn't. I was like, is is this anywhere near? No, no. That would have been cool. He shows up and it's, it worked. It's me, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the, when they find that cabin, it's because Ben notices this pipe that leads up to it. But again, I felt like this was something they could have used Addison yeah. for, again, to do more hologram shenanigans, because she's just chilling for so much of this. I just wish that they'd utilized her better if they're not going to have her in the, the project portions helping out with that. Instead, they have Ben find it, and he sees this pipe, and he sees this circle at the end and he's like this is a perfect circle you don't find that in nature instead of saying hey look at that pipe <laughs> probably means something but he has to have the circle flash back to janice or whatever and it's like what is the point well, he was, at this point he was freaking out i mean i love that part it's of the episode when circle. he's but when he was just when he was just like no this can't this can't be the leap like when yeah. he was just at his wit's end i thought that was yes great. i love that part i mean I, I liked how much he cared about the kids on the leap and i felt like there were some great interactions with them i do feel like they they should have reacted a little more to some of the things that he said and did because like while he's doing that freak out they all kind of get over it real quick maybe it's because they're just used to people having freak outs or tantrums or other behavioral issues yeah because of where they, they came from uh certainly that explains why they're like oh he talks to this person in their head don't worry about it but it, i don't know it just Sometimes I wish it felt a little less like it's TV, go with mm. it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's the way I took it, too. Maybe they're not wholly unfamiliar with uh, people with problems. So it's, yeah. It, yeah, it could be, it could just be par for the course at that school. Yeah, I did like the conversation that Leah has with Ben uh, when she first sees him talking to Addison and he's like, oh, I, uh, I'm talking to my fiance. Oh, I mean, my girlfriend. <laughs> and, uh, She's like, did you ever have a real girlfriend? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you ever had a real girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. nice. And it was nice to see more LGBT mm -hmm. representation in the show that is not like a twist that they're evil or making it a big deal because back in the 90s, it was such a big deal. They were, you know, they would lose sponsors for even doing episodes about that sort of thing. So it was nice to see more positive representation. Yeah. Yeah. And it was also nice to see that, you know, this is not something that you can just proclaim and then, you know, you it's still going to be a difficult journey if the people you love disapprove. And I loved the scene where uh, after she breaks her ankle, um, Leah is just babbling on because she has the painkillers. And um, she says to uh, I'll get the names again. She says and she says to Stacy. I, you know, I know you say that I shouldn't care. You're going to tell me I don't care, but then my parents and I love them and I do care. And then Ben says, well, then maybe in, instead you should find it within yourself to forgive them for who they are. And 
who's that going to help? You know, because I'm a jaded teen. And he said, it's going to help her. And I thought that, again, another wonderful character turn where you don't really see that kind of exploration of this stuff mm. on TV, in my experience anyway. You always see, like, the defiant moment and the triumphant moment. But, you know, it's, again, that happily ever after, or at least that, that, that departure point still has consequences that you're going to have to live with. And Ben gave her, like, a coping tool that could help her for the rest of her life, not just mm-hmm. a proclamation that you be strong and you be proud. That to me is Ben. He did it. He did it with all of them. Mm. He did it with all of them. Yeah, yeah. It was very sympathetic to um, all these characters that that have these issues when they could have had a very unsympathetic portrayal of them. The fact one of them's a drug addict with Stacy. She she had like uh, anger problems. Like, yeah, she, she burned she, down her like, house. She, yeah, she burned down her house. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> she, angry. Um, and she, because like, yeah, because yeah, once they like crash the car, she's like attacking the car, you know, like they, they, she has this outburst, but at, at no point do they portray them as bad people. No, just troubled people. And Ben is trying to give them yeah. all tools. I mean, he tells uh, Roy that he should just not give up with that whole thing with the physics therapy. I thought that that was a, a wonderful scene. And yeah, said, I like, he was exactly using his dorky physics. comparison to <laughs> physics again, and he's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, your friend sounds real fun." Huh? Like, no, don't l- listen to me. <laughs> like, like that and, was yeah, that was nice. And helping Stacy channel some of her rage and some of her like just the the big feelings into the leadership role, mm. telling her that she's a natural leader I, again. Yeah, like, instead of chastising or correcting or preaching. It was more, hey, look, this is how you can cope with this, and this is how you can incorporate this into who you are in a positive way, which to me is 100% quantum leap, and I absolutely adored that part of it, too. Yeah. Subverting my expectations about youth group sucks, and we're going to run away. <laughs> so so good hey, job, don't quantum Don't be doing leap. the drugs. I'm not just talking about grass, <laughs> but some of the harder drugs. <laughs> Sounds very 90s. Yeah. <laughs> So we, no, we it got, nice. and it was also nice that they had at the end saying that they they were friends forever, uh-huh. um, because I think that also helped to conclude the the leapy Ben story as well. Because who's going to help him in this situation? All of them have been given kind of tools in the situation. They didn't really say a lot about what what Ben's tools are, but I think the fact that they all had each other just to support each other and to, uh, mm. they had this shared experience, I think, would have helped him in the future as well. Yeah, very nice. And this is where I think the fact that the Leapy apparently doesn't go anywhere is a strength of the show because somehow Ben Winters experienced this at the same time that Ben Song did. So I don't know what we're going to have to at some point or not because they never did in the original series figure out why, what does the Leaper remember, especially in this new dynamic that we're presented with on the show. A nudge. Um, I, I hope yeah, the nudge. All right. <laughs> you know, I hope in my in my head canon, I hope that Ben was there as sort of a, a, a passenger witnessing all of this and getting as much out of it as the rest of the teens. Yeah. I mean, either way, I always, I saw it in the, the old one and in this one, they have to remember as much as is important yeah. to their story. Otherwise, like, it undercuts the whole story if they have nothing from this yeah. experience. It undercuts the entire premise of the show. <laughs> yeah. 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 We have to we have to get to the the big reveal, do we not? Yes. Okay. The the very beginning of this, they have uh, Addison getting back in contact with Ben 
and he mentions what happened with Janice and they they do a flashback to the last episode of her like appearing as a demon and then appearing at the very end to explain it to everyone because nobody got that. (laughs) Nobody got that the demon face was supposed to be Janice because it makes no sense and it still doesn't, but they at least clarified it in the show. That's what it was supposed to be. Well, apparently Ben didn't get it either because he said, I saw a demon. So he still thinks yeah, he saw a demon. I, I don't know. I think I think specifically they threw that in there because everyone on Twitter was like, so why did he see something before? Like they didn't get it was supposed to be Janice because it doesn't make any sense. You're just lying to the audience by making her look like a demon. But whatever. Okay. Here, here, okay. So he tells Addison about this and he's like, yeah, it was someone named Janice Calavici. You know that name? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. And I'm thinking she has the ability to ask him about this at any point. Because now, like, she got the go-ahead from magic. Yeah, anything that'll jostle his memory will help us figure this out. She has never asked him about (laughs) Janice, who is very important to the reason why he's leapt, (laughs) Mm. until now. And then it's like, yeah, what's going on here? Okay, let's try and figure this out. And then Janice has her little wahaha hacking the project sneak off at the end thing. And they're like, oh, no, we found the... The old, the imaging chamber she created, but she took the important components out. It's a mobile imaging chamber, I guess. Yeah. Apparently, you no longer need radium accelerator rings for your imaging chambers. Those suckers don't have to be nuclear anymore. Uh, They can get Mr. Fission, I guess. No, she's got got the demon accelerator or whatever. (laughs) The demon chamber going on there. Um, So, yeah, all that stuff was, yeah, all that stuff was incredibly dumb to me. But then they had the big reveal where Ben remembers apropos of nothing that they've done in any other part of the episode, <laughs> why he teamed up with Janice. Uh, and he says that he did it to save Addison. That's what dun, he dun, leaped dun. for. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so what what were you guys feeling at this reveal? What, what was your reaction? So I'm still trying to figure out whether I'm disappointed with the writers or whether, and I think it's more likely... I'm annoyed at whoever in the production team or in marketing wrote the synopsis for this week's episode saying that there's like a gigantic reveal with a big revelation. And and there, there wasn't. There was the kind of tease that you would expect at the end of a teaser. They said why he Or at left. the end of Act 1. <laughs> they gave us the big the, the answer to the mystery, but right? But they, but they did it in such a way that you, you would expect right near the start of an episode and then the rest of the episode is about unpacking it. It was it was a damp squib. And I think part of that was because I was waiting the whole episode for this. <gasps> When's this great reveal going to happen? And then he's like, oh, yeah, it's something to do with this. Okay. It, it didn't feel like a cliffhanger. It was such a small moment. It yeah. left me wanting more, but not in a good way. Not in that good kind of cliffhangery way. Uh, but as I say, I think part of it is just because it, it felt overly hyped by that synopsis. So that may be where my ire is directed. And, and with multiple viewings, I might be more forgiving. What about you, Chris? I loved it. I had a genuine <gasps> moment when they revealed that and it actually made me appreciate and lament the box that the writers had put themselves into when it comes to the back at the project stuff because a lot of their ineptitude suddenly made a lot more sense um, in the sense that if it was Ben 
deciding that he had to save Addison with all of his knowledge of Project Quantum Leap and being the, the, the lead architect of the project, he could give Janice every sort of tool that she would need to circumvent them mm -hmm. from trying to stop him. So all of a sudden, Janice's omnipotence makes a lot more sense in universe. And I loved that about it immediately. I said, oh, that's why uh, it all came together. It all gelled. Had you not? Um, yeah, but uh, we, we knew that they were yeah. working together since the Yeah, this, but, this but, made sense to me all along. I didn't know. In, as much as they never did. I didn't. I didn't know that it was for such a giant personal reason for Ben. I thought it was going to be some kind of weird bit of abstract history, kind of like Allison's apocalypse theory that <laughs> they were trying to avoid they were trying to prevent it makes much more sense to me that ben is running out on his um engagement party from the woman he loves in order to save the woman he loves that made it so much more poignant for me the fact that he's doing this for her he's doing it for love he's doing it as as a self-sacrifice in in many ways because he doesn't know if he's going to get home yeah so I, oh my God, that just hit me right in the heart. I loved, loved, loved the reveal. I think it, I, I love the uh, the concept and I think it will hit me right there um, in the second half of the season. Yeah. I just, I, I felt like the the reveal of that was too, too quiet, but I'm right there with you that I, I'm glad that it is something very personal and something comparatively small. It's, it's to save one person. That's why he's doing all this. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, Matt. I I was kind of underwhelmed. <laughs> it kind of seemed like a predictable and obvious route to go. Mm. Like I, the fact that Addison was meant to be the leaper and then he took her place, I feel like hinted it was something to do with Addison. I don't think I'm gonna call it now. I think him saying it's to save Addison is not just about Addison. I think that there are larger things at stake, and she also is caught in the crossfire of whatever happens. Yes. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, I think it's something something futuristic happens. I don't know if it's apocalypse level, but I do think something catastrophic happens that he is trying to prevent. But them saying like it's Addison. I, I mean, a lot of people are like, he's looking for Sam. It's something to do with Sam. And it's like, I don't think it's going to be that. Yeah. <laughs> because um, Scott Bakula said he wasn't going to be in the show. So I don't think they would write themselves into that corner in case he never changes his mind. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, I was a little underwhelmed by this reveal. And especially because all of the project stuff had nothing to do with his revelation at all. Uh, it just felt like kind of like, oh, by the way, at the end. And it kind of felt similar with him remembering Addison and saying like, oh, you're the one I love. You're the one that I'm engaged to, yada, yada, yada. It just felt like it just kind of happened yes. at the end. Like, I guess we're at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. It's time for him <laughs> to remember something new. And how how much can they drip feed us through that kind of dramatic principle throughout the rest of the series? Just, oh. Ben's just remembering a little bit more because it's the right time in the series for that to happen. Yeah. 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 It feels all very blocked out, which is kind of what the the whole show has been like. It's like, this is the time for us to do this now, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's the time for this reveal. Here's the time for this uh, scene where they will ask Addison how she's doing <laughs> and she'll talk about... She wants to get Ben home or something. Uh, this is... <laughs> I don't know. It just... It feels... 
I can feel the blocking of the writer's room on the show. I can feel the breakdowns. I can feel exactly where they think this thing should go, but the connective tissue hasn't quite been there yet. But again, we're eight episodes in, so it's sometimes you got to give some things time. But there are certain things where I'm like, we've been kind of squandering what we have right now. So I feel like it needs to just and it is possible after the midseason break they will. um, I mean, they're filming right now, but um, it might be that they're that they fix some of these issues now that they have a little bit of breathing room. To try and take in, okay, this is what people are saying. This is the reactions that we've had from the audience. This is what we might want to do to try and lure people in. Um, so they might be working on this stuff. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, we, I've, I've had a lot of uh, rants in this one. Um, right. But I did, I liked The Leap. I feel like I go more on rants in episodes <laughs> where I genuinely enjoyed The Leap because it it frustrates me the lack of connective tissue between the two stories. And if I have to choose one, I'm going to choose the leap portion. Uh, and I don't want to see any more CSI time travel. I would love, I would love for that to go away and for them to have the future stuff have anything to do with anything. All right. So um, how about you, Matt? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have, having thought about this some more during our discussion, I, I, I'm loving the leap portion more and more. Um, the characters and the actors and the writing was all spot on. Uh, I, I still think some of it felt far-fetched, but that has always been a problem with Quantum Leap. You've just got to suspend some disbelief and roll with it, and there is, there's some great character stuff behind it. Uh, the project stuff this week, I, I did still find kind of fun. Um, there was some stuff in there. It just it, it did feel very disconnected from the rest of the, the, the project stuff that's come before. So... I'm I'm hoping I know the project stuff can be really good, so I'm hoping that 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 comes back in the uh, in the next episode. Yeah, uh, you guys, right on the nose with that. I I want to tell the writers now that you have a hiatus, even though I know they're already filming again, but it just feels like a natural place to break the series and also to reassess where you want to go with it. Stop with the mystery box horseshit. It's a tired, <laughs> tired trope. Imagine how amazing this show would be because you have so many good elements that are just failing to gel. You have an amazing cast back at the project. You have an amazing dynamic back at the project that you can explore. You have an amazing lead doing great leaps. You have good chemistry between everybody and you're stopping and starting and stopping and starting in service of a quote mystery idea that does nothing to advance the assets that you have on this show. So take a dance break. Listen to some Gwen Stefani, you know, chill out by the fire and then regroup and start just weaving all of these amazing elements that you have that are so disparate. Start bringing them together. Start making this into a comprehensive series that seems to be going somewhere instead of chasing its own tail. Please, please, I'm begging you because I'm loving everything I'm seeing. I'm just getting frustrated with the format. So that's my final thoughts. On standby, oh, Ben. Look how the tables have turned. Right? I have, but the thing is, I'm done with it now. I, I've I've been patient. I've been waiting. I've liked so much of it, and I've been sustained by that. But I think we've 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 evolved past this phase of this type of storytelling at this point. So I just hope that we get a more cohesive and sort of driven narrative 
once we get back from the midseason break. <sighs> okay, going to breathe now. So I guess that puts our discussion of Standby Ben in the books, but stay tuned because after the break, we will be bringing you our interview with Nan Rissa Lee. On the latest episode of Fangin. It's what we talk about when we're not talking about Quantum Leap. I spend far too much of my free time and money standing next to celebrities and having a photo taken. I discovered the TV show community. It was a kind of influential uh, horror movie called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Many people have seen the photo of me trying to kiss David Duchovny. He was famous for doing the Boggy Creek movies. Oh yes, the Boggy Creek movies. Have you heard of it? Are you being sarcastic? <laughs> you guess. <laughs> Matt Dale, friend to Billy Piper. That's the darkest timeline. <laughs> I'm glad I met the only other person that doesn't like They Live. Why is the mass killer playing a trombone? Laser fart. Chakotay just needs a biro. Natalie is freezing. There was definitely a Fermi panty going on. Concepts are fluid around here, folks. Anything goes. To find out how to hear this and other Patreon-exclusive shows, go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. That's patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. There's coffee in that nebula. <laughs> You knew it was Janeway, so it can't have been that bad. <laughs> okay, everyone, we're back. And as promised, here's our interview with Nan Rissa Lee. Nan Rissa, welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Hey, hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we got Jen Cho herself. It's Jen Chow, Jen Cho. I always, I'm always wondering how I should pronounce that. Yes, I. Me too. Funny story. <laughs> We've changed uh, <laughs> the last name to Jen Chu, C H U. So I'm ha I'm half Chinese and half Korean. Mm. My my character oh. is Chinese and half Korean as well. But you know, my last name is Lee. It's like really easy, and so. I, I didn't. I don't know anybody with the last name C H O U. So we were shooting, and I was like, "Is this is this Chow Chu Chow?" You know, and we had a conversation about it, and I was like, "Listen, I just don't want to be mispronouncing my own last name." So uh, so we changed it to Chu C H U, which um, which they were really lovely about. Of what would you prefer? And and that's uh, my uh, late best friend's last name, and I just thought it was a nice nice tribute. So IMDb, if you're oh, listening, oh, oh that's nice. lovely. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's so. Uh, we've we've been speaking for about thirty seconds. We already have a Quantum Leap podcast exclusive. It's now Gen mm -hmm. Chu. So fandom, fandom, uh, take heed. But um, <laughs> either way, we are thrilled to have you here on the show. And um, yeah, if we can just start generally, if you want to tell the fans a little bit about your background and how you came to Quantum Leap. Yeah, I mean, I think for Quantum Leap specifically, I mean, I, uh, you know, pretty much the standard way got an audition through my agent and um, it was my first, I feel like it's like kind of my first like real pilot season, you know, like reading for larger roles and, um, and this was the first one that came up and, uh, and then, you know, tested and, and went through and met everybody in Vancouver. It was yeah, pretty standard. I was very, very excited. I my deal closed on two twenty two twenty two, so I'll always remember that day. But uh, but yeah, it was a it was a you know, Jen Shu the character. I think um, I I know m most of you have read the original pilot, right? So uh, there wasn't a ton. Yeah, I'm the only holdout. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> you want to be surprised, right? Um, 
Yeah, she. Yes. She. Uh, there wasn't. Uh, I, I auditioned with dummy sides. It's. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that term. So basically, for people, if anybody isn't, um, it's it's sometimes with um, with things with big IP, you know, Marvel or whatever, they won't give you the actual sides. They'll give you what they call dummy sides. Um, um, and just things that are sort of parallel the character or the character traits, and they just want to see what you're going to do with that. So I had one scene um, from the original pilot, and then also um, the main scene was was dummy sides, and uh, and yeah, it was it was just it was a really good time. It was it was interesting actually because there's been um, you know some refining out for Jen, but. Um, uh, Originally, there was a lot. There was a lot of comedy in those in those dummy sides, and uh, and um, and some some backstory that carried over, which is really exciting. And um, yeah, so I just kind of had fun and did my best. And I was really interested in the comedy element because, yeah, I, I noticed in the original pilot there was there, there were some funny moments in it, and then that seemed to get sort of dragged back a bit when the show actually got to air. And and then it's felt like Jen's character has has brought those comedy elements back in. Was that much to do with you, or was that more the producers? You, you seem to have a lot of comic timing that they've been leaning into a lot more in the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I think you know that was always it was always there in 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 the scripts. Um, and then you know I think especially uh, with new shows you're still finding the shape and refining things down and finding the tone for your show and the rhythm and, and the composition really, you know, where everybody sort of fits in together. And, um, and so there were, there, there were things certainly included um, the whole time. And then what, what's that saying? I mean, I don't, I don't, it's not a hundred percent for TV, but they say it for film, you know, there's, there's three, three, movies that get made it's the one that gets written the one that gets uh um the one that the actor does and then and the one that gets shot and then the one that gets edited mm. so you know i mean it's it's a similar mm -hmm. you know structure so um i don't know if this is normal for all new shows but it would make sense to me if it was that you would you would include sort of uh more in the in the beginning um, and maybe on the page or what you shoot, and then you kind of refine that out uh, as you edit. So yeah, that was the case for me. But yes, there is there has always been uh, humor for Jen, and I think I think now we're hitting a really good um, sort of tone and 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 where she is with the team and and her style of humor because I'm a lot to rein in so. <laughs> But I, I'm. <laughs> well, we're glad it's coming out in the character. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. I'm pleased that you see it. Yeah. Well, one thing that um, I've noticed is that Jen seems to be the character who has um, had the most evolution since the show began. I, I feel like. Um, you know, she was introduced as the head of security and then there was um, some minimal stuff that you got to do. And then it really kind of took off when it seems to me like they're pairing you and Ernie together um, for the majority of Ernie's scenes, I guess, because of the dynamic that you two share as characters. Um, but it seems to me that chemistry is there in real life as well. So um, was that more of a conscious choice that they leaned into 
when when they when they discovered that you guys you know were kind of simpatico or how did how did that all evolve i think it was it was it was there um I think it was there on the page. I think again, in, in, in the, the, the dummy sides that I auditioned with, there was a reference to magic um, and, and how, how their paths had crossed. And I think I just sort of leaned into that. You know, one of the amazing things about being an actor, one of the really fun things is you, it's up, you fill in the sort of, white spaces and the blanks and the backstory. And, and that's why things look so different on everybody. Right. Um, um, so that was something that, that was important to me when I was sort of building that character. And, um, and then we met, uh, you know, in person and Ernie, as you all know, is a lovely human being. And, uh, and we got to spend a bunch of time together, all of us in Vancouver, but, um, Ernie and I were in the same, um, uh, hotel. And, and so, and because, you know, uh, there's Addison's character and Ben's character are are so active all over, you know, um, the show and we, we had more time on our hands. So Ernie and I would just, you know, we, we had a lot of steak and spinach together, a lot, a lot of steak dinners, which is great. And it was a great opportunity to get to know each other. And, you know, I mean, I, I, he's the most generous, kind, fun, lovely person you could meet. And, and I think, I think, um, I think the producers and the execs did definitely did pick up on that and and leaned into that when we, when we began shooting the series. Yeah. But we, you know, I mean, I feel like we've all, we've all been really lucky in terms of our main cat, all all the cast really, because guest cast is phenomenal, but, um, but our main cast is, you know, we're all, we're all a little goobery. We all like to have fun and, and we get along. We enjoy spending time together. I mean, we went out together last night. We went to dinner and, and went to a show, you know, and just kind of goofing around. Just five of us. Yeah. Yeah. With the majority of your stuff taking place so far in present day and mostly back in the project, what is your schedule like as the week goes? Because I know it's an eight day shoot, but how many of those days are you on set usually? Yeah. So, um, so typically, uh, the way that the rhythm has been feeling lately is, uh, we usually shoot headquarters stuff one to two days. So, um, they're big days. It's kind of days where you sort of hit the ground running and you're, you're kind of in, you know, every scene or, um, and you, you just, but it's, um, it's, it's great. It's, you know, (laughs) it's not, it's not a bad, not a bad schedule. Um, so we'll usually shoot one or two days at headquarters. And then maybe if, um, you know, maybe if, if we have a scene or two outside of that, if they, they let us out of the cave. I, I always joke around <laughs> me and Ernie go on our missions. Um, um, then, then that's usually a, another day somewhere, you know? Um, but typically it's, yeah, it's one or two days. Um, and then, um, because of that schedule, uh, I, I really like to spend time on set, um, when I'm not shooting to just kind of, 
A, see Ray, because we never see Ray. We never get to see Ray because he's always in a leap and we're always, you know, in a different world. And, and it's just, it's just nice to see him. You, he's the kind of guy you want, you want to spend time around him. Um, and to meet the guest cast, similar situation. Um, and, and also just to get to know, I think the crew production, you know, um, this is my first series regular. So I'm really excited about like, every freaking thing, like everything. <laughs> so it's, it's a really great <laughs> opportunity. Yeah, to get, to get to know about, <clears throat> to get to know the writers and the directors and watch how they work and watch the interaction, you know, get to know people on. I learned about Greens the other day. I didn't know that, that that's a whole department. That's like set dressing, but they, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just taking a sip of my, my tea. <laughs> <laughs> for the swag um um which is a whole different department but but specifically for greenery like for plants and for anyway it's all fascinating to me i'm naturally a very curious person i think so so i you know i try to come to set when i'm not shooting and, and and get to know people and and um tv is such a huge production you'll have you know 80 100 people on set and um because we shoot so tight on headquarters days, you know, you're kind of hitting the ground running and you're, 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 it's all the words and, you know, and, and you're focused on your scenes and, and your relationships with the other characters and stuff. There isn't, for me at least, a whole lot of extra bandwidth and room to, to kind of like soak up the other stuff. So, yeah, that's what I do. That and, uh, and a lot of donuts on my off days. <laughs> nice <laughs> doing it right right can i maybe pick up on a, a couple of things you mentioned um you said about one of the most fun parts of your job is the, the or being an actor is is the the preparation and filling in the blanks and and effectively kind of that planning element you also said this is your your first series regular role so can i ask what what the biggest surprise for you has been whether it's in terms of the direction Jen has taken or, or anything else about this kind of moving into this world of regular TV production? I don't, I don't think it's the biggest surprise, but I, so sorry to immediately not answer your question, but I don't think it's the biggest su surprise, but that's fine. <laughs> the biggest element certainly um, um, is it, that is, that has come up time and time again and, and will over the entire course of my career is for me has been uh has been confidence in 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 my own creativity my abilities as an actor and who I am as a person I think um you know this industry it's such a it's a difficult industry I mean it's it's being an actor is it's competitive and there's so much of like the circumstance pie <laughs> that we are not privy to, you know, and we'll never know, you know, um, why certain decisions get made, why, you know, why one person got cast over another, why something, you know, got changed or this or that. Many times it has nothing to do with you, but you'll never know. And sometimes it, it absolutely does have, you know, have to do with you. But I think something that you, that, that I have learned, um, 
um, over my over over me growing as an actor is that it's it, 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 when you really strip it all down, it's all that other stuff can be so distracting and and really stressful and and kind of not good for your self-esteem or, or mental health or you know for some people um for me and so it's always better for me to try to just if i start to feel that way you kind of you know try to try to just focus and get back to sort of what is important for me you know which is what feels good for me in the character what how am i pleasing myself creatively you know and just having trust and faith in that i think on this show especially um we are all really lucky to be surrounded by um amazing generous um protective cre uh, uh, cre creatives you know the execs um i don't know if that's always the case but that's been my experience i i always feel um really protected by the eps and everything and and i have my own separate relationship with all of them but uh and they've and i've had a little bit of conversation with that um about that with them along the way and they're always just like you're fine you just do what you do you know what I mean? like that's why we hired you <laughs> you know and i think sometimes on these bigger productions you can get a little like am i does, is that what you wanted or i i i don't know like i you know like is this do people like this and I think it's sometimes it's easy to forget under those, you know, when you think you hit like big leagues or something that, that they hired you for what, for I, they hired me for the choices I made before they knew me, you know? Um, so I think it's important to, to keep that in mind and, and, you know, as you grow as a person and, and as people grow in their, in their careers and their professions, that's something that I think that comes up for probably a lot of people, right? Cause you're stretching and expanding and, you know, moving into these new territories that, that you haven't had experience with before. And I think if you feel good about, if you feel fulfilled by, by what you're doing, then I think the odds are you're, you're okay. You're on the right track, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm enjoying um, everything that you're doing on camera. And I know that in episode eight, we came to sort of a revelation about finally why Ben left prematurely, why he kind of sidestepped Addison. It was to save Addison. And in making those choices, um, I don't know if the actors are flying as blind as the audience. Um, did you know the overall arc up front before, you know, you guys started this season or like, did you hear from the writers about, okay, we're going to go in this general direction or is, is it being doled out to you? Like it's being doled out to us. And does that affect the way you approach the character? Yeah. Yes. And yes. Yes. Um, it, it's funny. I'll get, a, <laughs> I'll get a, a, a script. And because of our schedule, you know, because usually headquarters, it feels like, I mean, unless they take, usually headquarters kind of is up first in the shooting schedule because, you know, it, this show is amazing. They build brand new sets every single week because of the leaps. And so headquarters usually goes first. And so it's not uncommon for us to get a script a couple days out, you know? And it, so it's, I've taken to, it'll, I'll be reading it and then I'll like 
text Martin, like all caps, like, Oh my God, what are we doing? You know, just like, because I get, <laughs> I get the same, the same surprises as, as everybody else. Um, and I think it's fun. It's really fun that way. Um, and it's also a challenge, I think, you know, um, as far as my character in terms of the arc and some of the relationships, certainly certain things, uh, come as a, as a surprise, but I think I had had conversations, um, early on and, and have continued to, um, uh, with writers and, 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 and kind of anybody who will listen <laughs> about, um, I think where I feel like Jen comes from, you know, she didn't come up through the normal route that I, I guess most people who work in Pentagon programs came through. Um, her past is, is, is a bit different. It's a little colorful. Um, and I think that's me personally, I think that's a massive strength to who she is. Um, so, uh, so I had some of those discussions with people and again, continue to, and, and I see them reflected in the scripts. It's always nice, you know, um, um, to be for those things to be acknowledged. And, 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 and of course, you know, we're having these conversations and, and, and I'm spitballing things or things that I feel like, um, are very, are essential for Jen or important relationships. Right. We see that in eight, um, that I feel like have affected her and her life and helped shaped who she is as a person and how she handles the other relationships in her life. You know, I, I really don't think that Jen, I hope I'm not spoiling this, Miriam. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I, 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 my feeling for Jen is that um, she, she didn't grow up with a lot of stability in her life. And I think it's one of the reasons why she's so independent and why she's, she's pretty tough. You know, I mean, you kind of drop her in most situations and she's going to be okay. And she's probably like, I'm fine. You know what I mean? She's like, not only is she okay, she's like over here, like doing something, you know, like <laughs> she's resourceful. And, um, and so those things I think certainly have carried through. Absolutely. So those things aren't a surprise, but in terms of plot points and, and story. Yeah, absolutely. Just to follow up on that, in this episode, we did get a little bit more of Jen's backstory about her dad and the way that she was um, basically in charge of her own life when she grew up. And it intimated that you and Magic have a pre-existing relationship, not only between each other, but that Magic somehow knows Jen's dad. And there seems to be a bigger story there as well. And um, I don't know if you can speak to that, but... Seeing that on the page, does that help inform the way you approach the scene, especially the way you play off of Ernie? Because you have Jen has two sides. And I love that about her in the show, because you have the, the part where you say that you're a shark and a shark recognizes a shark when you're talking about Janice. But then we yeah, get these great, wonderful yeah. scenes where maybe you're taking. Yeah, maybe you're taking Addison aside to talk about Ben or um, even in uh, in the earthquake episode, you had a great scene where you guys were just walking down the, down, down the hall talking about like real housewives and, you know, how you're going to hang out. And so it seems like she's got, you know, both this very serious side and this very nurturing side. And we're getting to know more 
about that as we go. Are we going to explore more of those things in a broader way? Because you're always stuck at the project. I'm wondering how, you know, how they're going to be able to, to branch your, your, your character out a little bit to flesh some of these things out. Yeah. Well, you'll just have to keep watching Chris. Uh, uh, I think, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that is absolutely, that's absolutely right about Jen. You know, I think, um, I don't think, I don't know that Jen was always so trusting of people. And I, 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 Jen keeps that circle small, you know, and tight the people and, 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 and it's, and it's her family at the program. Um, I, there is a toughness and a, and a, um, I think because she, she had to grow up so early in age. Um, I think there is a little bit of this, like, well, if it comes down to you or me, like, it's me, you know? Um, but I think how she, the way that she's grown as a person in, in falling in with this, with, with the quantum leap family, I think has been a, a huge, um, evolution in, 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 in her relationships and in the things that she believes in, you know, it's not like full white hat. I'm not going to lie to you guys like, but, but, uh, but, the, the the quantum leap family is is one that she has has grown to love and trust over time you know and 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 i think that for her has been um spearheaded by ernie her relationship with ernie for, you know and then learning to because she trusts ernie so much um you know she's opened up to all of these other people and i think um I think too, when you, when you come from, Jen's a thief, right? Like she's a hacker. Like she, (laughs) the only difference between what she did before and what she did now is now it's sanctioned by the government. Do you know what I mean? Like if the program shuts down (laughs) in six months, like you're not going to find her working for the Pentagon in another position. Like she's, (laughs) do you know, it's, um, so I think there's things about what she what she's learned about herself and about humanity, you know, um, um, through through her teammates that maybe she, maybe she didn't have before. And I think because of that, because because when you come from an environment where um, perhaps before people were not. Uh, as trusting of you and uh and maybe rightfully so maybe there's a little bit more me against the world kind of you know um point of view um and that changes when you when you fall into um, a group of people that you respect and where over time you've you've earned each other's trust and really begin to care for each other and you feel cared for and accepted and safe i mean that's huge for anybody, you know, I think, yeah, I think just Jen, Jen knows that. And, um, and, and I think even when she doesn't, magic is, is right there to remind her of that, you know, that sort of, there's a bit of a surrogate father relationship there. And, 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 uh, I think she feels, uh, safe and accepted by him. 
So you had mentioned before that um, you had sort of uh, forged separate relationships with the different EPs and, you know, that you, you trust them, that you, you feel you're in good hands. But I have to think that, um, you know, the, the uh, Mrs. Quantum Leap, um, Deborah Pratt is probably on the set very frequently. Can you tell us what it's like to be with Deborah, who has been the biggest advocate for the return of Quantum Leap since, uh, you know, it went off the air 30 years ago. And uh, I, I just want to get a, a feel of what she's like on set. And uh, after that, if you were familiar with the original Quantum Leap before you auditioned for the role. Yes, I was. Um, I, uh, which way should we go? Should we go? Let's go Deborah first. Ladies first. Um, Deborah's great. Deborah's Deborah's awesome. We um, she is on the set often, and she made it very clear um, to me, at least, that um, in the beginning, that she was available to me if I if I had any questions, concerns, if I just wanted to talk about things that weren't about my character, or you know, or weren't even about the show. Um, we we were on the phone yesterday. She called me yesterday on Saturday, we, you know, um, um, and we had a, a, a great conversation. I think Deborah is, uh, if in character, Ernie is a little bit of my like work dad, you know, Deborah could be like a little bit of a work mom, you know, work aunt. Um, um, Deborah, <laughs> one thing that is really obvious about Deborah that is just sort of undeniable is how much she loves the show how much she loves the show and how much she loves all of us, you know, how, how you can feel, of course, like, you know, that she just wants, she just wants this to be a good experience for everybody, audience included, you know, and I think she does, it's great to have somebody, um, somebody there and in that position that you, you feel like you can have, um, um, conversations with that, that are, that, that about anything, you know, I think she's, she's, um, she's, she's always available. And I think that she makes her, I'm not, she's, she's busy, (laughs) but she, she, she always makes time, you know? Um, um, and, and I, I feel her love. It's, she's, it's, she's just a, a wonderful person. And she says, hi, by the way, she said to say hi to all of you. Um, oh, oh. Yeah. I think she's very fond of you. Just, just like, just like you, Matt. Sometimes just chats with Deborah. You know, they're like BFFs <laughs> now. So <laughs> Matt knows how you feel. <laughs> she's right, lovely, right? Matt? I mean, she's I, wonderful. I'm not quite sure I can call her a work aunt, but <laughs> I will. I will say I think that um, that <clears throat> because. Uh, because she's had such great experience in the industry and in, in multiple arms of the industry, she is such a proponent of, you know, I feel like she, she looks out for me, you know, and is like, you know, listen, if there's things you want to do, do them. She's so encouraging and she's so, she's really generous in, in, um, in lending, um, guidance or advice or support into into any way or uh, that I might be curious about about growing as in my career and as a person 
But um, for somebody like me, again, where this is my first show as a series regular, um, you know, there's there's a beautiful amount of diversity in our show uh, uh, in front of the camera and and behind. Um, And I think that was something that was really important to Deborah. Um, and, and the rest of the executives, you know, to Martin, you know, to Brian and Steven, to everybody. Um, and you really, you really feel that on set. And I think she's a part of that. And, and that's, to me, that's a big deal. That's a really, it's gonna, I'm gonna get emotional. That's a, it's a big deal. You know? Well, it is a wonderful part of the legacy of Quantum Leap, the representation, and you guys are so much more free to do it now as opposed to the way that they were constrained in the late 80s, early 90s when the original show aired. So um, speaking of that legacy, De- Deborah is so interested in carrying it forward. How how vested were you in the original series? Were you a fan of it? Did you know much about it before you got the part as Jen? Yeah, I was a fan of it. Um, <clears throat> I, I used to watch the show with my dad. So my dad was, you know, when I booked this, my dad was, I'm going to get emotional again. <laughs> my my dad was, I think, the person I was most excited, you know, to tell because, um, because I remember watching that show with him when I was a kid. Um, I think, too, the... The love, and then of course, like one of the first things he asked me was like, "Are you gonna leap?" And I was like, "No, I'm not the leaper." <laughs> I'm but, uh, but hey, you know, maybe season three. Um, um, but I think one of the never things, say never. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, well, it's a good, well, I'll pitch to the right. Um, I think uh, <laughs> one of the things that was. I hear that. I hear that from from many people that that people watched it with their family, and I think one of the reasons why that that was is because the level of I think empathy in um, in the series is so high. I mean, it just like um, you know we were just talking about inclusion a minute ago, and I think that 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 show that that show really did that in its time, you know, for its time, it really, there was a big effort for that. Um, and I just think, I think that's, that's, that's part of why it was, it was, uh, such a, a popular show and, and one that people, um, such as yourself and myself, you know, feel connected to today. And I think, um, You know, we we want to be a, our version of the show, but absolutely that's something that we want to retain, you know, because I feel like, in my opinion, I think that that's what's at the heart of it. Um, and And I think that there are, I think there's many ways to do that you know, to just push that empathy needle, just forward, 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 or up, up, up. And, and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud to be part of a production that, that I believe does that. Yeah. I was watching the, um, I was rewatching an episode last week or something. 
the one where Sam leaps into himself as a kid. And I just like, it just gave me all the feels. My fa I love hanging out with my family and we, we all really enjoy each other's company and they're all in Hawaii right now <laughs> without me. And I have like massive FOMO, you know, but it is, it's, I think, <laughs> you know, I just watching it. I was just like, yep, this is, yeah, this is why I watched that show. I think, you know, you really feel, um, the love and, 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 and how much, you know, like Sam wants to, wants to like, you know, help his, it's his, you know, and it's his family this time. And, and, um, but also understanding mm -hmm. the sort of yeah. like I think the struggle of like, it's, <clears throat> you, you got to do what you're there to do. And, and, and you can't, you can't always, you know, pick everything apart and, and make everything exactly the way you want it to be. And, and, fulfill all of your personal expectations and wants, because it's just not life. You know, you just got to try to move through with, with grace and love and, you know, be a, a positive contribution to society if possible. That's something that quantum always tries to teach us and just having at such an altruistic character as Sam as an example to, to put that, uh, that idea forward and then to have someone as affable and just genuinely good hearted seeming anyway, as, as Ray to take up that standard uh, when he plays Ben um, we've though hit sort of turning points in the series with this episode. And it seems to me like a lot of the back of the project stuff has so far been predicated on the fact that we didn't really know what was going on. Why did Ben leap? What's Janice's role in all this? Now that we have um, the revelation that we got in this episode, um, are we going to see a little bit of a shift in the dynamics of the back of the project stuff as the series goes forward? Um, because now that we have a little bit of a changing, um, changing plot line with all that, I don't know if you can answer, but uh, I have to ask <laughs> the fans, the fans will, they'll, they'll take me out and cheer me up if I don't ask. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, well, I, what would you like to see? I'd be curious to what would what would you all like to see? I, give me your pitches. I'll, I'll take it to the writers' room. <laughs> I don't know. If we have enough time. I mean, you got three <laughs> lifelong fans here. You you don't know what you're asking, but uh, <laughs> no. What we like about the back of the project stuff. Yeah. But um, we would like to see just a little bit more cohesion so that um, it's like the project and the leaps are working more in lockstep. And that um, once the, the sort of that central mystery is starting to get resolved now for things to maybe normalize, because now you're all getting on that same page. And I guess that's where I was going with that question. It seems to me like there's a congruence happening with the storylines and, um, you know, I'd like I'd like to see if that's going to continue. I hope it does. So maybe that's a better way of asking what I asked previously. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same question, but uh, yeah, it only took no. me twice to actually get it out. <laughs> you had to ask it twice because I'm not going to answer it the first time around. Um, I think exactly <laughs> being coy. Um, I, I think you'll be pleased. I think you'll be pleased with how. With okay. How it holds good. I'll good. take it. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, yeah, um, you've been so generous with your time. Is there any aspect of uh, the new show or something that um, you would like to touch upon that we haven't touched upon yet? I, I, I haven't, you know, since the show has come out, I have sort of not really read too much about in, in responses or, um, you know, online or, or, or watched many sort of response videos. So, so I think, you know, when I was coming on, on, on this show, I, I was like, oh, well, let me, you know, I'll watch them. And I, I came across some of the, um, the, 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 um, podcasts that, that are right after I think the episode airs. And I just, Mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating. I think I, I, let me just say that I think like Allison's feedback, I think is like one of the things that's kind of really cool about the show. I think, um, you guys are so kind and I think, and, and, um, art, are champions of the show, you know, but, but, uh, I love <laughs> Allison. Don't come for me. Um, 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 I do like that. There's this format <laughs> where people can, can respond openly about what, about how they feel about things, you know? And, and, and I think that it's, this show is not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not the original quantum leap. And I think, um, I think as far as like the headquarters stuff, like, it's, it, you know, I, sorry, not sorry. I love, I love procedural. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think that there are, there are, there are, there are, that's, that's the great thing about, a, about, about working in a creative industry is like, it's subjective and, and you can't please everybody, but I do appreciate the, the support and the honest responses and, um, and it, you know, it's always in a respectful way. And, and, and for the record, I almost was like, I was like, if they ask me what episode I've really enjoyed the most so far. And then I, and then I listened to that one. I was like, Oh God, she's going to use it against me for the rest. But I really, the Halloween episode is, is great. It's, <laughs> I love a whodunit. And I just think the characters are so fun. Mm-hmm. We read it to a fabulous guest cast every single episode it's so fun meeting all of these people and dropping into those worlds i love a themed episode i think it's great i also love six i think they did a fantastic job of um of the reshoots and Mm. and and pulling everything in and and there was a lot of headquarters in that and we had a blast shooting it we had a really good time but um but hopefully you know this sort of hopefully you know this evolves into something that 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 really just you know balances both and that and 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 we can you know um have fun in both worlds but you know i i think i just think it's exciting for me at least obviously (laughs) but but um to be in this i don't know that it's not a new version of the show but it's you know this is we're making it in 2022 and, 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 and being able to take advantage of that, you know? 
Well, that is terrific. And we're so happy that uh, we're going to be getting more of the project stuff and more of, I'm, I'm just going to say, uh, we heard from Nan Rissoli, uh some more convergence of the project and leap stuff and a little bit more integration. That's the way I took it anyway. Um, <laughs> maybe not a direct quote, that's me extrapolating, but um, <laughs> we have been so happy to talk to you here on the Quantum Leap podcast. Thank you so much for appearing with us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And it was, it was, it was a good time. And I will, I look forward to the future, uh, future episodes of your show. Woo-woo. We got Jen in the house. I copyright <laughs> proclaim. That's it. We're not going to be able to monetize this episode on YouTube, but I don't care. I'm that excited. <laughs> you think your singing was that good, Chris? <laughs> yes, YouTube's going to mix it up. Obviously. Um, hello. Anyway, the, the spotlight's not on me. It's on Nanrissa and how wonderful she was and how wonderful she is. And thank you, Nanrissa, so much for being on the yes, show. thank you. Oh my God! Thank you for for the wonderful card. I know I already did this in the interview, but um, yeah. Uh, again, just so happy that um, we're able to talk to all of the main cast and um, par for the course, as lovely as ever, and uh, wonderful, wonderful addition to the Quantum Leap podcast. Thank you so much, Nanrissa, for being on the show. But guys, Nanrissa isn't the only thing we have to celebrate. Uh, as usual, we have some new patrons to announce. Woo, everybody! I, someone's going to have to help me pronounce this name. It's a new $5 Leaper patron. His name is, I want to say, Kolja Dimmick. I think or so. is that Kolja? Kolja. Kolja, Kolja, Kolja. Come call in and, and correct me. But uh, Kolja joins us at the $5 Leaper level. Um, he's one of our patrons from Germany. I think he's one of um, uh, just a handful now. Yeah. So welcome. Yeah, from uh, from across the pond for us anyway, across the channel for Matt, I guess. Yeah, right? not far. And uh, <laughs> I don't know my geography very well, but I think I got that right. So, so thank you, Kolja, and welcome, welcome to our Patreon community at the five dollar leaper level. You get access to all of our bonus material uh, that includes our shows like Leaps Elsewhere, where we discuss other projects that Scott and Dean have been in, and Fangent, where we just geek out about various and sundry geeky topics, and sometimes just you know chocolate chip cookies <laughs> and the Muppets and whatever we just all feel like talking stuff. about. So. <laughs> It's all good stuff. You guys don't know what you're missing. Uh, so uh, go over there uh, for um, $5 a month. You can get access to about 26 hours now of bonus material and growing. It'll be growing more since we have a mid-season break. We can start producing some more of the bonus content like we used to. Um, there is another patron that we need to announce, but uh, the patron had a very special request. Yes, because we know all about you, Alex Procaccio, from the year 2022. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> <laughs> I hope I got that right. Alex, I think I think you did, yeah. Procaccio, you said it like a good eye tie, like Thank a good you. paisan. Very good. <laughs> yeah, Alex, uh, he, he said, can you please have Matt introduce me like he did for the, uh, what is it, uh, Leaper X. I want, I want a Leaper X intro introduction. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's hilarious because, Matt, when you did that on the show, it kind of scared me. It startled me. <laughs> it was good. It was very aggressive. That's my moment. So he loved it so much. He's, he goes back and he re-listens to it and he just cracks up. So Alex, there you go. I hope it was worth it. I hope it was worth the wait. Alex joins us at the $3 Quantum Leap podcast 
book club. I'll say that again. Alex joins us at the $3 QLP book club level. That means he will be getting his QLP book club bookmark in the mail very soon. As a matter of fact, Alex, I mailed it this afternoon. So look look to your mailbox. Colger will be getting one as well, but you have to wait on Matt to mail that one. He's way over there across the pond, but you'll both be getting yeah. those. And um, thank you one and all for um, your continued support of the show. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the leap with us here and for uh, giving us the tools we need to give you the best show we possibly can. And yes, uh, thank you. Alex, you're going to be getting that, uh, that bookmark just in time as you'll soon find out. So thank you one and all to patrons. We also have heard from another longtime patron who gave us some feedback about the it's a disaster <laughs> episode. Her name is Karen Saxon, and she hasn't written us in quite a long time, probably in years, but she felt compelled. Wow. So so if you don't mind, I will begin. She writes, hi, all. Chris, I am so glad you liked this episode as much as I did. I loved this episode. It is definitely my favorite of the new series so far. Until now, the project stuff was too rushed and I didn't love it. This time, the flow was better, character conversations weren't as rushed, and the comedic timing was great. And I loved Jen and Magic's scene with Private Martinez. Ben's backstory with his mother was so moving and something a lot of first-generation kids can relate to in terms of feeling the pressure of their parents moving to America so that they could have a better life. We got to see so much more emotion from Raymond Lee, and he was fantastic. I also love that Naomi moved the family to San Francisco and was feeling all the guilt that came with her decisions regarding her family and work. As a working mother for 17 years now, it was so easy to relate to. So much to gush about, but I'll end it here. I just wanted to share how much I love this episode and glad to hear that Chris felt as much excitement as I did. I love listening to you guys. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. Karen. Oh, oh that's nice. Oh, that's so nice of you. Yeah, I hadn't, you know, because I felt like um, Jules' part in the It's a Disaster episode felt more like just storytelling device. I hadn't considered that, you know, her, because I'm just, you know, like a myopic male idiot. <laughs> I hadn't considered that what she was going through was, was, was speaking to a vast number of people watching mm. and um, empathizing with her. is not something I even considered. So... Thank you very much, Karen, for bringing that perspective back to it. I'll be sure to rewatch the episode with, you know, that in mind next time. I think it'll help me appreciate Jewel's role in it more because I felt she had probably maybe the most thankless role in that I, episode. I thought she did a great job in that episode. It is nice to hear people saying that there were parts of episodes that resonated with them, and especially on the leap portions because um, that was something in the beginning that was quite weak. So to like see them developing these characters out and to see people really connecting to them is, uh, I think that's right. a good sign. Yeah. So thank you, Karen, for bringing that to us. And, um, you know, hopefully you aren't alone in, in feeling that. So, um, yeah, all good things, all good things. And, uh, we have one more letter and this is from a friend of the show, Mr. John Irons. John texted me as he was listening to the <laughs> Halloween episode to Oh Ye of Little Faith. And he's just like, I got, I'm going to be writing you a long letter. And I'm just like, all right, John. <laughs> but uh, he, he titled his letter, It's the Great Demon, Charlie Brown. And he begins, 
QL has always been intentionally unclear as to how much supernatural stuff exists in the universe. I'm fine with them explaining everything away with science, but I also agree with Allison in that if it was Janice the whole time, why was she making spooky <laughs> movements and being all creepy behind him in the hallway? I'm okay with him seeing Phantom Janice before he gets drugged since they show the black mist literally transforming into her, but yeah, it could have been better executed hashtag death pun huh i see what you did there john <laughs> bink bink rim shot the doctor's purpose he was there to say i checked her pulse and she's really most sincerely dead <laughs> uh learning latin it's helpful for scientists to know latin as lots of terminology is based on it hmm? that makes sense quantum physics if you think about something it can help it come true I presumed they meant the Schrodinger's cat thing, that observation influenced reality, and that cause doesn't need to precede effect, especially when it comes to time travel. I'm enjoying the new show overall, and even when it misses the mark, I still enjoy it, because it reminds me of all the times the original missed the mark. I expect... How dare you, sir? <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair point. I expect to continue loving it, as long as they don't end the season on a... Insert sound effect... Dun, dun, dun. Cliffhanger. <laughs> Keep up the good work, guys. John, tell Ernie Hudson I said, what's up, Irons? <laughs> yeah, we're we on a texting be sure. basis with Ernie Hudson. Yeah, so, <laughs> be like, hey, hey John Irons says, what's I, up? John says, <laughs> uh, and Ernie's going to be like, ah, classic so, John. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that uh, insert sound effect was a da-da-da or if it was a handling sound effect to cover up a swear word. I, I don't know. What, that um, or... <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, on a... Effing cliffhanger on a on a cliffhanger. <laughs> I just had to play with my hand. Like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I like what uh, John said at the end there. Um, that he, he enjoys the show even when it misses the mark because it reminds him of the times that the original missed the mark. I think that's something uh, important to note that like the original show wasn't perfect. This show isn't perfect. There's some things that you can enjoy despite it. And there's also a lot of really good things about it too. You know, you just, you just gotta have some fun goofing sometimes. You gotta have some faith. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of people corrected me on the Latin thing, by the way, I did get a lot of tweets about this. Um, it's saying that they learned Latin in school. Uh, I looked up some stuff about it. It's not just for scientists. Sometimes people teach it in high school because it's the basis of a lot of different languages. So, uh, sometimes it's, um, it's something that's offered for people. So, uh, I was corrected on that and thank you everyone for, uh, teaching me something. I hope gently corrected. Because uh, I know Twitter oh, yeah, is just a bastion yeah. of elegance and, and you know, and no, the, civility. You know what? Most of, the people, most of the people that tweet at us that are following us, they're perfectly fine. There's one or two people that are just like, the new show's stinky. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to let us know. But uh, for the most part, very nice people. And everyone who told me about this, like, they were great about it. They were, like, giving specific details. And I would ask questions. And, yeah, it was really cool. Hmm, nice. Cool. Well, that's cool. So we keep learning. We learned about the fashions of the 1890s last week. Now we're learning that um, Latin is multi multifunctional in many, many different fields. And yeah. that um, we can always count on John Irons for a hashtag death pun. So thank you, John. <laughs> yeah, thanks for writing. Thank you to Karen for writing as well. And if you would like to be like John Irons or Karen Saxon, there are many ways that you can reach us here at the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can drop us a line. You can send us a letter at P.O. Box 542, Bayport, New York, 11705. You can reach us by phone at 707-847-6682. 
you can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram to correct Allison at quantumleappod. <laughs> you can also see us on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thequantumleappodcast. And you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thequantumleappodcast. Just remember that we may be using your response in an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap podcast. And um, there's also an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap after show, if I'm not mistaken. And you can see that on our YouTube channel. Again, youtube.com slash the Quantum Leap podcast. There we'll be featuring our video interview with Nan Rissa. So you'll want to see that. And um, we also have an additional interview, Matt, that you just did this afternoon, right? With, uh, with, with tell me I'm going to say her name wrong. Uh, with Sierra, Sierra Riley Wilson. Sierra Riley. <laughs> yeah. Sierra. Okay. I want to say Sierra, but it's Sierra, Sierra right? Yeah. So, uh, Sierra Riley Wilson. She played. She played Leah, and uh, yeah, she was a delight to speak to. She's um, a very intelligent young lady, um, very, very well spoken, and, and thought had obviously put a lot of thought into the character, which I think uh, came through. And it's um, it makes me want to watch the episode again, uh, keeping in mind a lot of the stuff she said about her preparation. Oh, that's well, really that's cool. great. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that myself. So yeah, you'll get all that good stuff. On the after show at youtube.com slash the quantum leap podcast. And wow, um, again, we're 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 through to the mid-season break here. So that means we're gonna be kicking it old school <laughs> on the next episode. Ooh. Matt, enlighten us. Oh, we're back to doing some reading. Oh no, I'm too old to read books. Um I, 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 yeah, we're, we're on to the next one of the novels. I don't even know which number we're on now. I've lost track, but it's going to be... Is it Search and Rescue? We've done Search and Rescue, haven't we? Isn't it Double or Nothing? Well... We haven't, uh, it hasn't been put up yet. That's right. We have done Search we and Rescue, but... it before the uh, before wow. the show started. Yeah, what happened is we, have, we had it in the can, and then um, we had like five uh, preview specials. Of course. For trailers dropping yeah. and teasers dropping and Deborah Pratt talked to us. And so we've been sitting on it for quite a long time. Um, so, yeah, that's why I was telling you. Uh, good work, Alex, because you became a book club member just in time to use your bookmark on Search and Rescue. So shall I read the cover? Please do. Of Please Search do. and do Rescue to, re- to, to refresh everybody's memory. When trapped between two storms, survival becomes a leap of faith. The thunder rolls over the desert in New Mexico and Sam Beckett leaps into a man named Philip Payne, a doctor involved in the search for a plane that went down in the wilds of British Columbia. The lightning flashes and Project Observer Al Calavici also leaps into a passenger on the plane. Now Sam must race against time and the forces of nature for the sake of a father and daughter at bitter odds and for the life of his friend. Quantum Leap! Search and rescue an all-new adventure first time in print. So many um, similar themes, right? We had survival this week, survival next week. Oh my god, it all comes together. Yeah. Did they also have wolves in that one? I feel like they did. They may have bears. bears. They had bears. But but they had they had wolves too, didn't they? I thought it was like a wolf and a bear. Been a wolf at some point. Yeah, you know, there's a wolf. There's a wolf on the cover. Yeah, There's a teeny yeah, little wolf like on the was, cover. There was both. And they had, yeah, I, okay. I'm going to remember all this stuff when I listen <laughs> back to this, and I can't wait to, because I forgot everything we talked oh, about. Oh, completely. But I think, but I think part of the, uh, the story, very briefly, is talking about like wolf conservation or something or other, because they have some uh, First Nation characters in yes. this as well. 
So yeah, really interesting stuff. I'm going to spoil it, but I I just, this is going to be a teaser for people (laughs) to listen up. Al gets mauled by a bear in this book, and it's amazing. (laughs) It's just amazing. I remember talking about that It's wild, so you guys should check that out. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you can't not talk about Al getting mauled by a bear. That's the one thing I retain from the entire book, because it's insane. (laughs) What I'm looking most forward to, how insane it's going to be, because we recorded this before the uh, reboot even aired. So we're probably going to be speculating quite a bit as to what we think the new show is going to be like now after eight episodes (laughs) of having seen the show. So it is really a leap back in time because we've been sitting on this one for, God, it's like two months now. So- yeah, it's 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 going to be fun to get this one out. It's going to be fun to be talking about the books again. And who knows like how long we're going to be on hiatus now. So um, we might be going back to the old format for the time being. Uh, we have a book show in the can and then we can get on to the next classic leap. Um, we have some definite uh, leaps elsewhere to do. I want to talk about that original pilot script and Sam's appearance in it and compare it to what we saw. So that's going to be a Patreon bonus coming up sometime soon. And just all of the stuff that um, we've had to put on hold because we've just been going breakneck speed with the new with the new series. I, for one, am glad that we're getting a little bit of a breather because um, whew, it takes the pressure yes. off. Good to reset, you know? <laughs> you know? But yeah, but that doesn't mean that we're going anywhere. There's plenty of great stuff to come. So we want you guys to... Stay tuned, keep with us, and as soon as the um, new show comes back, we will be right back on top of it. Uh, But we have some great stuff to look forward to. Search and Rescue next. So until then, I've been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Allison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And stand by us. We'll see you next time. Whoa, (laughs) oh, oh, stand by us. (laughs) (laughs) Click. 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 That's that's my contribution. (laughs) We love it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Joshua Burwald, Jeff Kiska, Greg Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a Baron Space production.